0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, August the 25th, 2023. It is currently 521 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know we're kind of in the middle of a sermon review, but we're going to have to interrupt that sermon review because we've got kind of a big problem to figure out. And it appears that the person who preached the sermon we are reviewing doesn't seem, they don't seem too bothered by the problem that they kind of stumbled into. In fact, they seem to think it's very simple. The explanation is straightforward. And I'm sorry, their explanation makes no sense. I've looked at commentary after commentary after commentary. They seem to make no sense. The entire situation is confusing, but we're going to try to put it back together and advance this to some level. I do have an article here that attempts to offer, I don't even know if they offer an explanation. I think what they attempt to do is saying, well, it can't be this, so because it can't be this, it has to be this, but they don't really prove what they think it has to be. They just, they seem able to prove what it can't be, but they really can't prove what they think it should be. The whole thing is confusing, but let me put this all back together as fast as I can. We started a series that we are calling Set Apart. This series is, is all about the doctrine of sanctification. I want to look at the doctrine of sanctification and one to try to provide some balance to our ongoing series on looking at the proper distinction between law and gospel. Because whenever you look at the proper distinction between law and gospel, someone's going to accuse you of being an antinomian, easy believism, cheap grace, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought, you know what? To offer some kind of a balance We'll look at the doctrine of sanctification, not only to try to provide balance, but because I am convinced that many within the Christian church, many within the evangelical world, whenever they talk about sanctification, I know they don't intend to do this, but they almost without fail deny the doctrine of justification by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone. They almost deny a justification by by imputed righteousness and really start teaching a justification by infused righteousness, which is Roman Catholicism. In fact, many times when the evangelical church, when the Christian church starts talking about sanctification, they really deny Their own teaching on justification. Dare I say, many when they teach sanctification, they corrupt the doctrine of justification by imputed righteousness. In fact, many will say sanctification proves your justification. Well, the only problem with that is I'm justified by an imputed righteousness. No practical sanctification can prove or disprove imputed righteousness because imputed righteousness is accredited to my account by grace and has nothing to do with works. Works can't prove an imputed righteousness. Works could prove an infused righteousness, but not an imputed one. So many so connect and link sanctification with justification that makes sanctification the proof of justification. The only problem is you're looking to practical righteousness to prove imputed righteousness. The whole thing falls apart. And whenever you try to bring up these problems, most of the Christian world, they don't want to hear about it. They don't care about it. They shrug their shoulders. They're like, I don't care. I don't care, and they just go on with their their view of sanctification. Really, which is a, a denial. I'm, I'm really, it's a return back to Roman Catholicism. So are we so are we started this series, and it's it's been an interesting series. I think it's had a lot of twists and turns, ups and downs. You could say some of it has been good, some of it has been bad. But I think our approach has been unique. I stated from the very beginning the goal of this series. Is not really there's no end in sight because whenever I decide to talk about sanctification, I'll turn on the microphone and I'll put those episodes in this series. This is going to be kind of like a, a, a never ending series because the subjects related to sanctification come up all the time. So I mean, who knows? Maybe at some point after en- enough episodes, we'll 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 stop and we'll just kind of leave it as. And kind of an unfinished series, but anytime people want to explore the doctrine of sanctification, they can look for our series called Set Apart. So we we were using, we were using Bible Studies for Life Summer 2023, the personal study guide. And their approach was very simple. They gave us a number of scriptures to look at. We started looking at them. I remember, they wanted us to look at uh, Psalm 99 verses 1 through 9, which we did. Uh, Romans chapter 6, 5 through 14, which we did. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16, which we did. And we were supposed to go to Romans 12. And I decided, wait, 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 wait. Let's take a little detour. I thought it would be a simple little detour, right? No big deal. It'd be like the scenic route, right? It would be, it would just take us a little ways, you know, a little way a little bit out of our way right a little way out of our way right it wouldn't be it wouldn't be any major detour just just a little scenic route right it would just add a little scenery to it and now i don't know if we're ever going to get back on the road because we kind of stumbled into some really big issues i my hypothesis and i think i can prove this is this that sanctification what What basically is the foundation for most Christians' understanding of sanctification is this idea that when you became a Christian, now they may not quite say it this way, but when you really boil it down, this is what they're claiming. When you became a Christian, you were given supernatural power. You were given supernatural power. You now have the power of God inside of you to keep you from sin. You now have the power inside of you to say no to sin. You now have the power inside of you to say yes to God. And now you have the Holy Spirit himself teaching you, enlightening you, leading you into all truth. This is kind of the fundamental foundational principles underlining the the Christian understanding of sanctification. You have power. You have ability. No, of course, any logical minded person will say, well, wait a minute. If I've got the power of Almighty God inside of me and and then they go on to add, not only do I have this power, not only do I have this basically secret knowledge, not not only that, I've been completely transformed. I'm a new creature. The old is gone. Everything is new. And they mean that practically. Well, if all of that is true, even if even half of that is true, you should then expect Christians to basically be sinless should be able to reach sinless perfection. I mean, you have power. The old is completely gone. Everything is new. That would have to mean the eradication of the old nature. You've been set free. Well, but then Christians always preach it one way and then say, but, but, however, you can't be perfect. Well, if I can't be perfect, that would seem to contradict all of the power I supposedly have and contradict the idea that I'm a new creature. And so all the old is gone and everything is new. But they never really try to explain why, on one hand, we preach it like, you have this power, you have this ability, you've been transformed practically, and then turn around and say, however, you're still going to sin and you can't be perfect. Something doesn't make sense. So I'm always willing to bring up that question, and it's why we're studying sanctification. So we took a little detour, and I thought, oh, you know what? There's this new sermon from Ambassador Baptist College, they've started their fall semester 2023, and they kicked off their fall semester 2023 with posting a sermon entitled To Be Clean, and it's based off 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, and I'm like, oh, this is really good, this is really good. I know what I'll do. This clearly is going to deal with sanctification. We will review this. And the reason we will review this is because I just spent all of this time about the supposed power that we've been endued with and that we're new creatures and the old is gone and all is new, which is such the foundational philosophy of most Christians when it comes to sanctification. So I'm like, well, if we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, where we read, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, I'm like, wait, we have to cleanse ourselves. Well this seems very different than second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, which everyone quotes, "Therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature, old things are passed away. behold, all things are become new. Well if the old is completely gone and everything is new, why why do I need to cleanse myself? Everything's gone. So that immediately gave me a reason, once again, to justify what I think is a correct interpretation of 2 Corinthians 5.17, that it has nothing to do with me practically. Practically, I'm not a new creature. The old is not gone and everything is not new. Not practically, because I still have a sinful nature. So this has to be true of me positionally. And then 2 Corinthians 7.1 would be dealing with more of a a practical reality where I have to cleanse myself. I'm like, okay. Since they're going to preach on 2 Corinthians 7.1, I can go to 2 Corinthians 5.17 and say, here it is. Now, here's a sermon on a passage just a little while later in the book written by the same human author, Paul, under the inspiration of the same Holy Spirit, telling me that we've got to cleanse ourselves. Well, then wait a minute. That would argue justification for why you should not interpret 2 Corinthians 5.17 as speaking about people, a a practical reality, but you would have to understand it as a positional reality. So I thought, okay, it'll be fun to see how they tell us we are to cleanse ourselves. And I thought they were going to give us these really practical steps, but, oh, I was in for a surprise. And this is the fun part about reviewing audio live on the air without listening to it first, because I never know where we're going to end up. And did we end up in a mess? Oh, we have we have stumbled into a mess, ladies and gentlemen. Because in this sermon, to be clean again from Ambassador Baptist College, you can listen to it on the Sermons 2.0 app. You should follow them and listen to it. Even though I strongly disagree with this sermon, I still would tell you to, to listen to them because it has led to what I think is going to be a very fascinating struggle for the next, I don't know how long to see if we can come up with a reasonable solution. Cause right now I don't know if one exists, but they did something interesting here. I'm going to paraphrase. They said, we need to be clean. And they said, we, because we are told to cleanse ourselves, but what should motivate this cleansing is this second Corinthians seven one having therefore these promises so that, like, okay, what motivates you to cleanse yourself are promises from God. All right, that sounds good. Right, that sounds good, right? So what promises from God should motivate me to cleanse myself? Now, if I have to cleanse myself, clearly that means then I'm not a new creature practically, and the old is not gone practically. All right, that all makes perfect sense. But what caused the problem was the promises that they pointed us to. They said the promises, and 2 Corinthians 7, 1 referred to the promises found in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 6. Okay, okay. That sounds possibly good. Many commentaries agree with this principle. So what are the promises? Well, this is how it was presented. Second Corinthians chapter six, start verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So they say the promises God will receive you. However, it's a conditional promise. God will not receive you until you come out from among them and be ye separate and you do not touch the unclean thing. If you do that, God will receive you. Well, that sounds like a conditional salvation. They try to say, no, 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 no. This receiving is not salvation. This is a this is kind of like a special hug, right? It's like if your husband is covered in filth, you still love him, but you're not going to give him a hug. So this is God saying, look, I, I, I love you and you're my child, but I can't hug you until you clean yourself up. So if we, so because God will receive me, that's the promise. Then therefore that should motivate me to then cleanse myself so that God will receive me. Well, that I will receive you d- sounds like a salvation, but they say, no, don't worry about it. But wait, there's more. They say the, the, the promises continue and I will be a father unto you. Wait a minute. I thought God was already my father, right? I thought I was adopted into the family of God, that God chose me, elected me, that I, that I was adopted, not by works, but by the grace of God. But they're like, no, 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 no. God will be your father if you separate, if you don't touch the un- un- unclean thing. And if you cleanse yourself, then you get this promise. If you want God to be your father, you have to, but, but then they say, well, wait, wait, it's not salvific. It, it just means, see, God's already your father, but he'll be, he'll be a present father. See, if you don't cleanse yourself, God's going to be an absentee father. See, see, God doesn't want to be the, he can't be a father close to you unless you clean yourself up. This is literally what was preached and you're sitting there going, wait a minute. So God is my father, but he's going to be an absentee father unless I cleanse myself. So <laughs> God will receive me like a special hug and God will be a present father if I cleanse myself. But wait, there's more. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. And then I can be his son. I mean, I'm already his son and daughter, but I can be, I can have a right relationship as son and daughter. So they take these promises, say they're not salvific, but they're special. But they're, these are promises, but these promises are conditional. But because of these promises, then I should be motivated. See, I want I want God to receive me. I want him to give me a special hug. I don't want God to be an absentee father. And I, w- I really want him to see me as his son and daughter. I don't want him to question me being a son and daughter. So I have to cleanse myself. And if I cleanse myself, I get these promises. These promises are not mine unless I cleanse myself. God will not receive me. He is not my father. I'm not his son until I cleanse myself. Now, they they don't ever bother to articulate exactly how clean I have to be. The sermon never even acknowledged, well, wait a minute, there's a problem here because you're never truly going to be clean because you have a sinful nature. None of that is addressed. It's just like, hey, you you should be motivated to cleanse yourself because you want these promises. And these promises are conditional to begin with. And and it's like this, it's so confusing So I'm like, okay, well, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, I want to finish the sermon review, but he's moving past the motivation. Now he's going to talk about the method. How do we cleanse ourselves? Well, I want to look at how I cleanse myself, but I'm still trying to figure out the supposed motivation because this motivation sounds like if you don't do this, you're not saved. Well, people say, no, 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 no. Now, some people say, well, you should be motivated because this proves you're saved. But once again... You're, you're looking for proof of salvation based off what we do, not on what Christ did. My salvation is based off an imputed righteousness, not an infused righteousness. And once again, when Christians start talking about sanctification, they inevitably corrupt and destroy and deny the doctrine of justification based off an imputed righteousness, so I, I just started searching, looking and looking, trying to figure out, well, what, what what do I do here? What do I do? And most of the commentaries don't really try to explain it much. they they just like, hey, you need to clean yourself up. You need to clean yourself up. You need to come out from, from among them and be separate. Don't touch. And they may try to ex- express exactly what we have to come out and be separate from. Some say anyone is lost. They're saying specifically some try to connect it to the historical situation. And Corinth, but the bottom line is do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Then you get these promises. Most try to say these promises are not salvific, but trust me, there are others who have a more works-based gospel saying they are salvific. So this leads to massive confusion. But I did find an article entitled Conditional Acceptance. Question mark. Now, the good thing I I I like about this article is they seem to acknowledge we've got a problem here right here in River City. We've got trouble right here in River City. We've got to figure this out. We gotta figure this out. So let's see how they approach it. I'm not saying this is gonna offer us any answers, but I wanna see. Now at some point we will come back to the sermon. From Ambassador Baptist College. And we will listen to them tell us how we are to clean ourselves, because I want to know exactly how I'm supposed to clean cleanse myself. Because whatever method they give us, I'm assuming it's a method that is so good that I can cleanse myself to such a level that God will receive me, will be my father, and I can be his child. Now I don't I obviously whatever method they give can't get rid of the sinful nature. So I don't know how this could be an, an, a, an acceptable method of being cleansed, but we can't get to that right now. We're going to get to this article. So are you ready? Here we go. The article begins with these words and they're in quotation. So I don't know who they're quoting, but th- this is in quotations. God loves you as you are not as you should be that's the gospel of grace in one sentence now right above that is a photograph of a baby covered in some kind of like black mud okay it's a little blonde-headed baby and his face he's got this black mud all over it, his body his feet his hands he he's filthy right now, what they, underneath that picture, they have God loves you as you are and not as you should be. This is the gospel of grace in one sentence. They go on to say, man-made religion says you have to clean yourself up before you approach the Lord, but grace shouts, come as you are. So how do we explain this passage, which seems to say something very different? Then they quote 2 Corinthians six seventeen through 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 2 Corinthians six seventeen through 18 Now, they don't add 2 Corinthians 7, 1. They don't, but I, I wish they would have added 2 Corinthians 7, 1 to this, but okay. Now, they go on to say, This sounds like conditional acceptance. As though we have to purify ourselves before we can come to God. At least that's how DIY, do-it-yourself religion, interprets it. You have to separate yourself from the pollution of the world before God will accept you. You have to watch how you live or your father may reject you. What a horrible thing to say. Can you imagine saying that to your children? Sin and you're out of the family? You know, that, that, that would be strong language. Now, what some may try to do is do the little semantics game. Well, it doesn't mean that you're out of the family. It just means you were never in the family. So if I don't come out from among them and be separate and I I don't stop touching the unclean thing, then I guess I was never saved. So, well, once again... My justification then is not based off an imputed righteousness. My justification is not based off what Christ did. My justification then is dependent upon what I do, will do, should do, could do, may do. And I will never have assurance because I don't know if I'm at any point ever going to violate these rules. That would be a problem. So, so what do they do here? They ask the question, is the apostle Paul, I, I put the word apostle, so let me read it the way they've written it. Is Paul preaching? Conditional acceptance, question mark. This is what they say. If Paul is preaching conditional acceptance in 2 Corinthians 6, then he is contradicting himself when he declares, accept one another as Christ accepted you, Romans fifteen seven. Now, if I'm accepting others as Christ accepted me, well, if Christ accepts me on based on what I do or don't do, then I accept others based off what they do or don't do. So then is that really, okay. I mean, we could ask some questions about that passage. We'd have to go look at it. The good news is not work hard and you might get accepted. That's not news and it's certainly not good. The good news is that Christ has accepted you. And then they quote Ephesians one six. No. Let's go to Ephesians 1 6. Ephesians 1 6. Ephesians 1 6. I think this is a very important verse. Ephesians 1 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. God has made us acceptable. In the beloved. Now, this goes back to 2 Corinthians five seventeen. In Christ, I'm a new creature. The old is gone. All is new. In Christ, I am acceptable. In Christ, I am holy. In Christ, I am righteousness. I am righteous. In Christ, I have come out from among them, and I am separate, and I touch not the unclean thing. In Christ. If we're looking at this from a p- practical standpoint, well, then you're making it a conditional thing. Now you can make it conditional, but whatever condition God demands is met in Christ Jesus. I, I don't know what else you can do. They go there, saying, "Hey, hey! If this is con- if this is a conditional acceptance, well, then I'm accepted because of what Christ did." They go on to add some more verses here. In the covenant of grace, God takes all the initiative. He loves us first, 1 John 4:19. He forgives us first, Colossians 2:13. He accepts us first, Romans 15:7. And all we can do is respond to what he has done. You need to settle this in your heart. You're not a son or daughter because you avoid unclean things. You're a child of God because you've been adopted. Romans 8, 15 through 16. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's Romans 8, 15 through 16. I'm a child of God. God is my father, not because I've come out from among them and being separate, but because he has adopted me. Now, Christ, in Christ, I do not, I have, I am separated. In Christ, I do not touch the unclean thing. They go on to say, so what Paul is say- so what is Paul saying when he says touch no unclean thing and you will be my sons and daughters. He is not saying we purify ourselves to become his children, rather we purify ourselves because we are his children. He is saying the same thing that John says here. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when Christ appears we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure do you see paul and john are painting pictures of the holy lifestyle that holy people live okay that's their that's their approach to this i'm going to go back to second does that work Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and I will be a father unto you. Sounds conditional. Their approach is no, 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 it's not conditional. It is saying that because God has received you, because he is your father, therefore come out from among them, be ye separate, and touch no unclean thing. I just don't think that's the way the text reads. I think the text is giving us a demand of the law. This goes, see, you cannot talk about sanctification without talking about law and gospel. That's why I wanted to do this series because the two are linked together. This is a law passage. Come up from among them and be separate. Touch, not unclean thing by any theological understanding of law and gospel. This is law. Do this. And the law always says, do this and I will accept you. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will be blessed. The only problem is I can't do it. So then I have to look to, well, then how can I accomplish this? In Christ, I am made acceptable. In Christ, I'm a new creature. In Christ, I come out from among them and be separate because I'm separated in Christ. Christ is my separation. Christ is my sanctification. In Christ, I do not touch the unclean thing. That's the only hope here. They go on to say, it's be holy, not do holy. Some people read these scriptures on purification and conclude, I have to separate myself and withdraw from the world and make myself holy. Yet Jesus never told his disciples to withdraw from the world. In fact, he sent them into into the world while praying that God would sanctify them in it. John chapter 17, verses 15 through 18. Paul said something similar. I have written you many letters not to associate with the sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of the world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. First Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. Jesus didn't avoid sinners. He ate with them and revealed God's grace to them. Same with Paul. He traveled to some of the most pagan places on earth and he uh, and he uh, brought the aroma of Christ with him. Same with us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're God's mobile home. Everywhere we go, there Jesus is. Since we have those promises, dearly beloved, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now they, now they quote Second Corinthians seven one. Now they quote Second Corinthians seven one. So they're saying that this is reading Because God is your father, because God has received you, because you're his sons and daughters, therefore you need to seek to be holy. The only problem is 2 Corinthians 7.1, that would make sense in 2 Corinthians 7.1. If you didn't have 17 and 8, if all you had in 17 and 18 were promises, and then 7.1 referred to those promises, then you could say, well, because God is my father, because he has received me, because I'm his child, then I should clean my cleanse myself. That would make sense. But the problem is 17 and 18 or almost like it almost is saying one thing, come out from among them, be separate, touch not the unclean thing. And then I will receive you. Then I will be your father. The promises in 17 and 18 seem to be conditional. I think 17 and 18 are law. And we say, okay, I can't fulfill this law. Christ did. Now, because Christ did. Now, He is my Father. He has received me. I, I, I am His Son. I am His child. Now, because of what Christ has done for me, because now these promises are mine in Christ Jesus, now I should then be motivated. Because I, because all of this has been done for me in Christ, now I should be motivated to do this. That's the only way I can interpret this to make any sense. As those promises in 17 and 18 are conditional promises. And those conditions are not met by me. They are met by Christ Jesus. Because those promises have been met in Christ Jesus, then I should be motivated to now cleanse myself because of what Christ has done for me. He fulfilled all of that for me. The only problem is from a textual standpoint, it doesn't flow very well. But your only other option is to make this you, I guess you can try to play the game and say, well, when it says receive you or I will be your father, and you'll be my son. That's not salvific. It just means if you want a special relationship with God, you have to cleanse yourself. But that, that doesn't work. That doesn't make any sense either. Or you just go back to a works-based gospel like Roman Catholics would use this. Hey, yeah, see, you, you got you to do these things in order to be accepted by God. See, you're you're justified by an infused righteousness. You cooperate with that infused righteousness by doing these things. And if you do these things, you'll be accepted ultimately. If you don't do these things, then you are no longer in a state of grace. And now you're you or if you fell in some of these ways, you may be committing a venial sin and they have their entire system mapped out, which I reject the Catholic system. But I think many in the evangelical non-catholic world are just as convolutes this and it's co- as just as convoluted, convoluted and confusing as the catholic system. They go on to say this is a favorite scripture of holiness preachers because it's a new covenant exhortation that can be made to sound like an old covenant command but it, not, it must not be read through a graceless lens as though you could somehow perfect yourself through dead works. Christ is our holiness and he is already perfect. How can you improve upon perfection? Okay, amen to that. But his one offering, he has perfected those that are sanctified. One with the Lord, you are as holy and perfect as he is. That's right. In Christ, I am as perfect and holy as he is. I don't need to cleanse myself. But his one offering, he has, okay, uh, then they, they go on, we cannot improve upon or perfect what Christ has done. This is not about withdrawing from society or locking yourself away in the hope of protecting or perfecting yourself. That's how cults form. In this passage, Paul is saying, don't get distracted by worldly concerns. Don't follow or join yourselves to those who reject Jesus. Don't tear yourself in half by saying yes to the Lord and yes to the uh, the one to who opposes him. Don't let the world manipulate and label you and diminish you, but stand securely as a dearly beloved child of God. Live as a beloved and accepted child of God and you will never be seduced by the hollow promises of this world. You will be free. And that's where they stop. Now, the problem is, it's not really a good answer. I mean, they try. They try, but they don't really seem to know. And then the comments under that, I guess everyone thinks it's an amazing answer. I don't know how it's an amazing answer. It doesn't really, it's not really a good answer. In any way, shape, or form. Now, we we could go to the audio here. We could go, but I don't want I don't want to go to the audio in this episode. I don't. We'll go to the audio in the next, and we'll listen to now the method of how we're clean. I just want us to know a couple of things. Second Corinthians five seventeen, saying if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Clearly cannot be referencing us in a practical way because practically that is not true. We know that. You know that. You're not a new creature. The old is not gone. All things have not become new. You're still very much a sinner. You still very much have a sinful nature and you're buff. You still live within a fleshly body that is corrupted. All right. So that is true of you positionally. Coming to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, where it says to cleanse yourself. Clearly, therefore, that means you're not a new creature and the old is gone and everything is new in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Practically, because this is telling you to cleanse yourself practically. So obviously, that is so clearly, 2 Corinthians is about your position. Only way to understand it, all right? That would be great. So then we'd be like, okay, positionally, I'm a new creature. The old is gone, all is new. And because that is true positionally, then I should seek to live out the positional reality as much as I can in a practical way, meaning I have to cleanse myself. God is not cleansing me. I've got to do it myself in a practical way, right? Because if God was doing it, well, then you think he could get to sinless perfection, right? Okay, so if we could just leave it there, we would be okay, but we can't leave it there. Because supposedly the motivation to cleanse myself are these promises. And everyone is convinced that these promises are the promises found in 17 and 18. These promises include, number one, the first promise is, I will receive you. Promise number two, I will be your father. And promise number three, you will be my child. Now that sounds like salvific promises, So what some do is like, they're not salvific. They're not salvific. They water down the promises to be like, no, I will receive you. It just means he will hug you. It's like a spiritual hug. I will be your father. Well, he's always your father, but he'll be a present father. And then you'll be my son. It just means that you'll have a good relationship with your father. He won't be absent anymore and you'll be a good relationship. And they say, and they, and, and, but these are conditional promises. If you want that special hug, if you don't want God to be an absentee father and you want to have a close relationship with your spiritual father, then you, yes, you, you have to come out from among them and be separate. You cannot teach, you cannot touch the unclean thing. And it sounds like you, then you would have to then cleanse yourself of all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Now, the only problem is everyone who teaches it that way can't articulate exactly how clean I have to be to ensure that God is not an absentee father. He will give me my special hug and I can have a good relationship with him as his son or his daughter. They can't articulate that. I don't know how clean I have to be. Now, some say, well, you don't have to really be clean. You just have to be trying to clean, clean yourself. So, But the text doesn't seem to say, if I'm trying, it, says, it seems to inc- imply that I have to accomplish it. And no matter how much I cleanse myself, I'm still going to fall short because I still have a sinful nature. So no one can really articulate how to do that. I'm going to argue that Second Corinthians five seventeen that the commands here to come out and be separate and touch not are law, and this is a typical law type of passage that gives you the law and it says if you obey the law then God will receive you, be your father that He will it's it, it's it's almost like a it's, it's almost like a works based gospel. And then what we're supposed to do is like, well, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be separate. Complete. I'm never going to stop touching the unclean thing. I'm never going to be clean enough. Well, in Christ, God makes me accepted, acceptable. In Christ, I'm adopted. In Christ, I'm holy. In Christ, I am righteous. Now, because these promises are mine in Christ Jesus— Right. God has blessed me with all spiritual blessings in Christ because in Christ, I'm a new creature because of in Christ. I am all of these things. in Christ. All of these demands are met now. Now I should then try to cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and perfecting the holiness and the fear of God. Those promises are conditional, but those promises are met for me in Christ. Because those promises have been met for me in Christ, that should be the motivation where then I seek to cleanse myself. Now, it's never going to be a perfect cleansing, never, not going to be anywhere close. But it's not going to impact my salvation because my salvation is based off the perfect cleansing, which comes from the blood of Christ and his imputed righteousness accredited to my account. That's the only I don't have a better option to get around these passages I do not now next time we'll listen to ambassador Baptist College tell us how the method in which we are to cleanse ourselves now you you can look at this you, you you can look at this okay getting phone calls here I apologize for that um you can look at this and you can try to determine what you think, how you understand it. And I do apologize for that interruption there, but you can look at it and you can tell me if you've got a better idea, if you've got a better hermeneutic, if you've got a better system, because I think what we're going to get, we're going to either get people who are going to go very works based on this, which you're going to destroy justification by grace alone through faith alone because Christ alone, or you're going to try to play semantics here, so acting like it doesn't really destroy justification, but in reality it does. And we can never allow our theology of sanctification to corrupt our theology of justification. All right, you can email me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I do apologize. I do apologize for that call that came in on my Mac book. I need, to get, I need to find a way for those notifications to be turned completely off. But every time I try to turn them off, they, they come back on. But I will work on that. I do apologize for that. It just proves that even when you do everything in your power to try to have a perfect broadcast, you never can have a perfect one. And no matter how hard you try to cleanse yourself, no matter how hard you try to be righteous, if acceptance with God is based off what you do, if... Proving your salvation is base, based on what you do. It's never going to be good enough. Just like my broadcaster, never perfect. Remember, we, we started this entire study. I played that little game with one word that I did not say correctly to show you that even when I'm trying, one little thing can go wrong. Here, I, I had nothing to do with it, but it still, it, it, it destroyed a perfect broadcast. And when you try, whenever you look at your life, Next to the perfect law of God, you're no, you know you're never going to live up to it. All right, email me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Uh, I don't know what the rest we, maybe tonight we can get to the the rest of this audio because I want to finish this review and just get it over with, because we need to be working on Jeremiah, but I we, we, see I take a little detour. It's like, it's not going to take us too far out of the way. It's just a little shortcut, a scenic route. <laughs> yeah, now we're 700 miles off the main highway. But uh, this is important stuff. So hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll think about it. All right, news, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great weekend. Be looking for all the live programming that we'll be doing this weekend as we do our very best. To try to get to the end of Jeremiah and our Jeremiah are in a Bible study exercise series because we're supposed to be there by the end of August. And you can see we are not doing a very good job. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.